0: Hey, miserable bitches. We are back with another episode of Misery Manor. My name is Cody.
1: My name is Emily.
0: And before we get started, make sure you leave your manners at the door. Um, we'll, did I scare you?
1: Yeah, a little bit. Well, wake up, baby. I'm awake.
0: Guess what today is?
1: It's little Nikki's birthday.
0: Oh, yes, that too. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, she has a rabbit named little Nikki, and it's more like little devil because the bitch is rude.
1: Well, little Nikki is actually the devil's son.
0: Oh, so well, maybe. very fitting. Y'all should see her apartment, poor baby. There is gnaw marks on everything. Um, and it, for those of you who don't know, Emily's very OCD, so she diagnosed diagnosed, not self-diagnosed by me. Um, so yeah, it's been a struggle. But happy birthday, little Nikki, one years old, and just thriving, I guess. Thriving,
1: hating life.
0: Just loving to hate.
1: He is the worst. But anyway. also,
0: today is our fiftieth episode already. Yeah, Fifty. I-
1: completely forgot until you said that a minute ago
0: five fucking zero guys we are halfway to 100 for those of you who don't know math and i couldn't be more excited because this episode is honestly not like ones that we've done before but we'll get to that in a second but i did want to start off by saying a huge thank you so much to everybody who wrote reviews in the last couple of weeks sometimes and rated and rated wrote reviews rated all that good stuff because a lot of times on apple especially it takes a while for them to come in so we see them like a week later but this weekend like emily and i were sending screenshots to each other we read every single one of them and like the fact that you take the time out to write those big paragraphs like i love it made me happy
1: it was a good feeling it was such a good
0: feeling so keep them coming in we love it and we thank you so much honestly you're the reason why we do all this um Because we have been doing this to each other for years, telling each other stories. Now we just have an audience that likes to listen to it as well. So boom, baby, boom.
1: Next. I wish you guys could see all of the hand gestures that go into this.
0: I wish they could see your ponytail.
1: Why? What's wrong with it? I kind of liked it today.
0: It looks... Beautiful.
1: Well, I got to crimp my hair for Gaga tomorrow.
0: Oh, yeah. i and... have to
1: wear it to work like that.
0: <laughs> well, I won't be there. I'm at spa day. Anyways. All right. So, okay. So Emily and I thought of this this weekend. Um, a lot of the episodes that we've done, especially here recently, have been very dark, sad, heavy. Scary. So we're gonna start off by saying something that we're thankful for for this week. What is something that's on your mind that you're thankful or for? Just something
1: positive. Something yeah. positive. It's something I did when I was really struggling with depression, and I um, I don't know. It helped me. I literally would write it down three things every day, regardless of you know if it was just like oh, my bed sheet smelled really good or yeah, something like that. It's, it's just because depression, you don't have to have something, you know, to be upset about. It's just your mind lying to you basically. And that's kind of how mine was. And I had to remind myself daily that I have so many good things around me. And so-
0: Betrayed by the brain.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we decided to- Yeah. And
0: I mean, and especially because I struggle with anxiety. Emily struggles with depression and anxiety and probably some other things too. <laughs> but we're not the only people that do it. There's, I'm sure so many listeners that feel in the exact same way. And We've gotten messages from people saying like, oh my gosh, I listened to you when, you know, we're sad or this, that, and the other. So happy to do that for you all. Um, I
1: listen to us when I miss Cody.
0: <laughs> right, and I, yep. I. So I'm going to start first. So my big positive is that for once in the past like six months, I'm not feeling anxious anymore. Yeah. I used to get really, 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 really anxious about every single thing. It's where I would like, feel like I'm gonna faint. I would convince myself that I had a brain tumor or that I had- oh,
1: that was a rough day. Or
0: that I had kidney failure. I was just making all this stuff up in my brain. And it was literally sending me to the doctors. I almost went to the ER with Emily once. Um, But luckily, I've been able to be like, you know what? No, this is just anxiety. You're motherfucking fine. Go to the fridge, get you a vodka soda, honey, and you'll be fine. No, don't. I'm not encouraging that in any way, shape, or form. But I'm just glad that now I'm able to determine, no, Cody, that's anxiety. And every other person probably has it too. You don't have a brain tumor. You don't have a clogged artery. You're only 30. (laughs) You
1: of all people have a (laughs) clogged artery. So
0: that's my happy, happy for me.
1: Um, I would say I was really stressed at work the past few weeks and this week I'm not. And I'm also able to, it's always hard for me. I always feel like I have to finish everything every day, but that's not how, like, work works. Sometimes you can just like put things away and then go to it the next day. And I'm always like going home and working or on the weekend and trying to like finish things up. And I've been able to just kind of like put it in a drawer and then not look at emails after work and just, I know that's stupid, but it helps me. Well, work-life balance
0: is very important.
1: I know, but I guess because I always feel like Guilty when I'm just like super lazy but not Mm -hmm. sleeping. Right. Because if I'm sleeping, I can't feel lazy, right? (laughs) Right.
0: And that's why you sleep so much.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs)
0: awesome. Well,
1: oh, wait. And I have another one because.
0: Yes, she's on a roll, honey.
1: I know. I researched a ton this weekend of one of my favorite cases. Emily. And I'm gonna do a story.
0: Emily has a story brewing, guys. <laughs>
1: I'm Hold gonna finally on. join the podcast again. Hold
0: on to your seats, honey, because she's gonna come on with the with the episode. And I cannot be more excited and nervous to hear it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I told Cody, I was like, you do not need to be a part of it. I'm gonna do it and it's gonna be fine.
0: Yeah. Amen, sister child. All right, cool. Well, thank you. Love that. And we're gonna do those weekly. And we're gonna force ourselves to think of something positive. <clears throat> even if uh-huh. we feel like things aren't going our way. Exactly. So before we get into the case, I want to do Patreon shout out. Um, we have Rihanna or Rihanna. I'm not sure how to say it. She's from Australia. She bought into the $20 one. So I'm yes. in the process of writing you a poem. Um, I also checked. You have a, a bunch of Guinea pigs and dogs. Oh. I believe they are adorable. Oh,
1: so, oh my gosh. I'm friends with her on, on Instagram. Instagram yeah. Cause she was like, I just, I'm very weird about like who I accept and who I don't. Um, I mean I can't tell if you listen or not, but I just accepted her because she had all these cute animals. Yeah, and I so it like, was her. Accept, and I wanted to like see all the cute little animals. And she was like, "Oh my god, thank you so much for the like all this stuff." I was like, "Wow."
0: Yeah, now love her. She's gonna be getting a poem. Um, we also have Amber, and we also have Mark, and we also have my boyfriend Josh. Now. <laughs> 50, I'm sure you're thinking, wow, 50 episodes in and he finally decides to he owns the right or he bought the rights to the music that we play on here. And that's a hefty price, too. So and he's not the biggest true crime fanatic. He gets you know, he doesn't like the scary stuff. He'd rather, you know, not and he watches to that.
1: all of your documentaries. Right. With you, and he's so, just super supportive.
0: Right. So welcome, everybody. If you want to be a Patreon, we have one dollar tiers, five, 10, 15, 20 all the way up. Um Any support is greatly appreciated. It helps us get the things that we need to help make this podcast thrive. So, again, thank you so much. We just got the bath bombs in today that we're going to be sending the Patreons, and they smell fucking amazing. And we also got these cool serial killer collector cards that we're going to be sending out as well after we go through them because a lot of them I never heard of.
1: Oh, yeah. Some of them are weird. There were a few that I was like, who the fuck?
0: yeah also guys thank you so much for participating in um what if you were be interested in listening to um an exorcism story the majority vote was yes so as you can tell that's what i'm going to be doing today
1: do you know what we forgot to do i know we're doing
0: it on the we'll do it on the one on thursday you're going to be getting one on thursday an episode on thursday too so the questions that you asked on instagram we're going to be answering a few of those on the one that comes out on thursday so I'm gonna get into the story. So here we go. So the belief that evil spirits and demons can possess humans have been terrifying and intriguing people all throughout history. So exorcism is the religious or spiritual practice of evicting demons or other spiritual entities from a person or an area that is believed to be possessed. So crazy uh, stats. So today around 2000 exorcisms are requested each year but only about 200 are being performed yearly. So it's still an active thing that's going on.
1: Oh.
0: But you have to have permission and we're going to get into that. From so the you can't just Church, Exactly. Yes. So on today's episode we are going to be going through the exorcism and demonic possession of Annalise McKell. So her story is what inspired the 2005 popular horror film The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which is one of my all time fucking favorites. I That's tried to get I'm
1: named after.
0: I tried to get Josh to watch it this weekend and he was like, absolutely fucking not. So <laughs> we watched Halloween Town instead. <laughs> <laughs> so Anne Elizabeth or Annalise Mikkel was born September 21st, 1952, in Bavaria, West Germany, to very strict Roman Catholic parents.
1: Can I say that? I always thought it was Annalise Michael.
0: Mikkel is how oh. they say it. We can say Michael. Annalise was the second of four girls and was raised by her parents, Joseph and Anna. Like many in the area, Annalise and her family were very religious and attended mass twice a week. And they prayed the rosary every single day. Her Mm -hmm. family took their faith very serious and were strict in their approach. So every morning, prayers, every night, prayers. The house was decorated throughout with like religious symbols, crosses, statues, the whole nine yards, honey. It was like walking into church, into their house, okay? Oh, wow. So in 1968, when Annalise turned 16, she experienced her first seizure. In one instance, Annalise lost consciousness during the school and was found by her classmates to be in a trans-like state, just staring off into the distance and walking around like a zombie.
1: So she had a seizure and then got up? Are all seizures like convulsions? No, so some of
0: them can just happen like sporadically in your brain and just be very subtle.
1: Um, Or some
0: can be the convulsions, which we'll get into because she had those as well. So another time she was sitting next to her friend and she just passed out. Luckily, Annalise quickly snapped out of it and simply assumed that she was like dehydrated, tired, stressed Mm -hmm. out, and just kind of thought nothing of it. However, later that night, she woke up and was unable to move as if she was paralyzed. She felt felt pinned down to her bed like something was pressing against her chest. She found it very difficult to breathe, and uh, she could feel herself wetting the bed. But try as she might, she was still unable to move. So Annalise shared a room with one of her sisters and tried to wake her sister up in the nearby bed like for help. Mm -hmm. But as she tried to open her mouth, Annalise's tongue was paralyzed, and she was unable to speak or move it. So within a few minutes, the pressure finally lifted, um, and Annalise recalled uh, being very sore all over, um, and she could still even barely move when she came out of it. It was like okay. <laughs> kind of like me with my hurt but fucking back, um, so very you know sore, not really able to move like she could before, but she wasn't too concerned. So Annalise just changed the sheets on her bed that were soaked in urine and went back to sleep. She was drained and exhausted from what had just occurred. She
1: didn't shower. Uh,
0: This is just what the article said. I'm sure she washed a little something, something. So in the morning, Annalise told her mother what had happened, but uh, but the episode that she had experienced was basically ignored by her family. And they told her, oh, you're just tired or you're just stressed. You need to go to bed early. You know, you need to drink some more water. Just try to relax, try to calm down. You know, let's go pray. So almost a year later in August 1969, Annalise suffered another seizure. So the pattern was similar to her first episode. So in the afternoon, she fainted and later that evening, she was overcome with sleep paralysis, kind of like what you just said. Mm-hmm. So her arms were completely stiff like wood and her friends described it um, as if, quote, like when a cat stretches out, you know, when they get a good stretch on the couch. Yeah. Right, so Annalise, again, wet her bed from not being able to control her bladder. But she
1: was like stiff as a board.
0: Stiff as a board and she could not breathe or call for help no matter how hard she tried. So like the last time the seizure episode lasted a few minutes and then she felt the pressure lift and was able to clean up and go back to sleep. There was now a pattern and her mother was now getting very concerned. So it wasn't just like, oh, you're tired or you're stressed. Like these are increasingly becoming more severe. Like, we need to do something. So they went to go see their local physician, Dr. Vote, and after hearing what he had, uh, she had been through, he referred her to a neurologist, Dr. Luthy, who ran a number of tests on her, including an EEG, which is a brain scan, and reported that she quote. Had a normal psychological alpha type brain activity, which means he saw no abnormalities. Oh. So the two doctors hypothesized that she was likely suffering from cerebral seizures due to temporal lobe epilepsy. Tempura? Temporal. Bitch, not tempura sushi. But (laughs) but no drugs and no treatments were uh, prescribed to Annalise at this time. So one year later, in June 1970, Annalise suffered a third seizure and another uh, neurologist examined her and ran another EEG, which the brain scan, showed normal brain activity again. But regardless of the results, taking everything that Annalise had experienced and was going through, she was prescribed anticonvulsant medication.
1: Okay, so I know that it's not, I don't know if I'm saying it correctly. I don't think it's uncommon for children, preteens, teenagers to have those types of Mm -hmm. um, episodes and then grow out of them. Well,
0: because a lot of what I read, it could be a hormone imbalance. And she was going through her teenage years into college. So that was one theory that they might have had. So you're right.
1: And like, even I know like babies and stuff can have them. And I don't know if it's just because like, they're so... Right. So
0: after she was prescribed the anti-convulsant medication, she was also given an anti-seizure medication used to treat epilepsy. So Annalise was warned though that its side effects uh, on the central nervous system can cause severe headaches, vomiting, and severe insomnia. Um, So at her wits end, Annalise was open to any medication that could help her.
1: So see, and I think when you, I might be wrong, but I think when you take medicine like that, mm-hmm. just to, and stop taking it- Oh yeah. Can also cause oh. a lot of major issues.
0: I'm sure. Oh, I can, no, talk. Oh
1: my God, my fingers smell like onions. Oh. Well, I had a taco. <laughs> By
0: 1973, Annalise was diagnosed with epilepsy and was put on even stronger anti-seizure medication as she was suffering from them at this point very, very frequently. At this time, Annalise was attending the University of Würzburg, and her classmates described her as, quote, withdrawn and very religious. So she's always been religious, but now, um, they said, I think because she was freaking out about what was happening, Mm -hmm. she turned to the Bible and everything even more. They also mentioned that her eyes were no longer blue and said they were dark and black. Okay. Like their pupils were dilated.
1: Yes.
0: That's scary. Annalise stopped associating with her usual group of friends and became drawn to a group of students considered to be religious fanatics. Annalise was convinced of her own damnation and began warning other people in the school about the end of the world. Okay. So she believed she had personal visions and and communed with the Virgin Mary and became very drawn to the life of Barbara Wygand, who was a Catholic mystic and prophet who also claimed to experience visions from the Virgin Mary.
1: What's a mystic?
0: Like a like a um fortune teller. Oh So her friends and family reported that her behavior had done a 180 at this point. So the once sweet, caring, sociable young lady was now very irritable and withdrawn. She would lash out in anger and was very aggressive and moody. Annalise fell into a deep and prolonged depression, which was so serious that she even contemplated suicide and would later describe how she was feeling, quote, this is no longer depression, this is a condition. She also uh, said, quote, someone else is manipulating me inside me and another quote, my will is not my own anymore. So she mentioned to her psychiatrist, she, quote, could not love sufficiently anymore and that she felt, quote, castrated and ice cold.
1: I'm sorry, what?
0: castrated, which that means like chop your balls off, but that's what the quote she used, castrated and ice cold. She also told her boyfriend, quote, I can't feel any love at all. I am numb, sort of. I can't feel emotions like that anymore. I don't know what's going on, end quote. So that's the medical side of things, right? But let's talk about the spiritual side of the story, which is far darker and far scarier. Okay, I
1: want to see if you change my mind because I really think that it's just psychotic issues or she's schizophrenic or something.
0: Oh baby, just wait, it's about to get real fucking dark. So around the time of her third seizure, Annalise began having visions that would plague her for the rest of her life. In public, people's faces would turn demonic and scary, and she would hear growling voices throughout the day. Despite medical treatment, these visions would never stop for her. So in September 1973, Annalise told the neurologist, Dr. Luthy of her demonic visions and that she felt that the devil was inside of her. She said she could smell horrible, horrible smells throughout the day, such as burnt fecal matter. However, none of Annalise's doctors, classmates, teachers, or even her boyfriend ever complained of a foul odor coming from her or around her.
1: How do you know what burnt duty smells like?
0: She knew. Annalise would hear knocking noises throughout her house, as well as hearing creaks and sounds as if large beings were walking through her home and voices telling her and whispering to her that she is damned and would, quote, rot in hell. Okay. So after hearing this and unable to figure out what the fuck is going on, Dr. Luthi recommended that they consult a priest, but Dr. Luthi would go on to deny this later and said that he would only recommend another medical professional to her.
1: Where did she meet Dr. Luthi? Was it through it the was referred friends? No, it
0: was referred by the first doctor that she visited. Okay. So Annalise's extremely religious parents began to think that she was possessed as well. She said um, she saw Annalise standing in front of the statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary in their house, and her face was full of hatred, her eyes jet black, and she was frozen in anger and fury at just the sight of the statue.
1: What do you think she looked like? Can you make the face?
0: No, but you're making it right now. It's your natural face. So after years of unsuccessful medical treatment, People, um, being people of faith, her parents decided that prayer was the best medicine and organized a pilgrimage to the shrine of San uh, Dam- Damiano, Italy. But when they arrived, Annalise could not enter the shrine because the soil burned like fire under her feet and she was in severe pain because you have to take your shoes off to enter it. And like the soil underneath her was like burning her. So while there, Annalise was unable to walk past a crucifix as if something was pulling her head away. She also had to turn away from pictures of Christ and the saints because, quote, they shined so immensely that she could not stand it. So when Annalise was offered holy water, she refused to drink it or touch it because she said it smelled horrible. Her father actually uh, bought her a religious medal, but she could not wear it because she said it pressed so hard on her chest that she could not breathe and it nearly suffocated her. So one of their family friends, Thea Hein, who was with the family on the pilgrimage, saw these signs that Annalise was possessed by demons. So starting in the summer of 1973 and over the next two years, Annalise began to meet with a number of Catholic priests. One of them was Father Alt, who himself claimed to be a psychic and said he had the ability to tell if somebody was truly possessed by demons. At the other end of the spectrum, she met with uh, Father Herman, who believed that she had a medical condition and advised Annalise to continue to see the doctors. He was like, I don't know if you're possessed, I would go with your doctors, you know, continue to do your medication. So when Annalise asked the church for an exorcism, Father Herman said he believed that she was normal and shy, but did not show signs of um, possession. So one priest said when asked about the signs of the possessed individuals, okay, so this is, he was asked like, what are some signs of somebody being possessed? And he said, quote, there are specific signs. For example, if a person, person. If a person has an aversion to walking into a church and not being able to view a crucifix or image of Christ. Another sign could be if a person possesses a language that they had otherwise could not speak. They can often take on a serpentine look and quell up in a very serpentine body language or manner. I have seen all of this happen before, end quote. So, By July of 1975, Annalise's condition was extreme. She would tear her clothes off, urinate on the floor, and would attack and insult her family. She crawled on all all floors and barked like a dog under the table for two whole days. Annalise said that the demons would not allow her to eat proper food, but forced her to eat um, insects like flies, roaches Ah! and spiders and oftentimes she would drink her own urine and was seen licking it up off the floor
1: i remember reading that
0: so Annalise would genuflect which means fall to your knees in prayer up to 400 and 600 (gasps) times a day she would munch on coal from the fireplace and even bit the head off of a dead bird on the side of the road
1: why was she on the road
0: like on a walk because they weren't in her body the entire time. So like she would see, like it, they would just enter her body at random points because sometimes she was perfectly normal. And then they would kind of take over her. This and in is a one, very
1: sick individual. And in
0: one instance, um, her mom said that she picked up a dead bird and bit its head off. So she was described as having superhuman strength and was reported being able to throw her sister across the room, quote, as if she was a rag doll. So Annalise would only sleep around one to two hours a night. And when she wasn't asleep, she was running around the house screaming. And she's terrifying the family at this point. So she's just screaming at all or hours. Or
1: dropping to her knee. What did you call that?
0: Genuflect. Genuflect. It's like a religious term for just falling to your knees in prayer. So... She was running around the house screaming. She was praying. She was begging for mercy. So her attack on religious symbols continued. So she would knock off the religious paintings on the wall. She would break the rosaries and smash the crucifixes. Oh, Annalise's physical appearance changed significantly. She had bruises all over her face and body, swollen cheeks, Black eyes, broken teeth, and a severely malnourished and sunken face from the lack of food.
1: She was a beautiful girl.
0: I know. And when you see the
1: pictures of her,
0: it's, it literally does not even
1: look like a human. The heebie
0: jeebies. So, because of all this, Father Alt declared that Annalise, quote, did not look like an epileptic and that he did not observe her experiencing any seizures. However, Father Alt believed that she was suffering from a demonic possession and urged the local bishop to allow an, an exorcism to happen ASAP. So, in a letter to Father Alt in 1975, Annalise wrote, quote, I am nothing. Everything about me is vanity what should I do? I have to improve. You pray for me, please. And also told him, quote, I want to suffer for other people, but this is so, so cruel. So she wanted at the same time to also let this be known to people so that she could be like, if other people are suffering from it, they could learn from it. Kind of like in the movie, they made it seem that way too. Mm -hmm. Um, But she's saying, you know, this is so, so cruel. So another Catholic priest, Father Rodowick, an expert in exorcism, also determined that Annalise was possessed. He recommended an exorcism be performed as well. So on September 15th, 1975, the right to perform an exorcism was granted by Bishop Joseph Stengel, and it was to be carried out by Father Rents and Father Ott. But it was required that the exorcism be carried out in secret, because they didn't want the public to go crazy about it. So the bishop never asked for any documentation of Annalise's mental history or any second opinion from either her psychiatrist or a neurologist. So just to mention, it wouldn't be until 1999 that the rite of exorcism would be revised. So they basically have to check off all these boxes before doing it. So now, quote... um, It says, forbid exorcisms on people who are believed to have been subjected to evil spells or curses and or are mentally ill. A thorough medical examination is essential. And that's still to this day. So that's good, at least. So with the permission now granted, Father Rents and Father Alt conducted their first exorcism on September 24th, 1975. And it was the first of 67 exorcisms that would be performed on Annalise. And let me tell you, it was just like how you see it in the movies.
1: 67 and what? Over 10 months. Oh, That is wild.
0: So Annalise's parents stopped consulting doctors at this point at Annalise's request and relied solely on the exorcisms to cure their daughter.
1: Can we just say that that's more than one a
0: week. Oh, it was happening like one to two times a week. So when Annalise was splashed with holy water, Annalise screamed and cursed and tried to attack the people in the room. She became very physical and had to be held down or chained to the bed because of her superhuman strength. So like I said, they conducted one to two exorcisms a week over a 10 month period. So the exorcism sessions lasted up to four to five hours. I know. Father Rentz wanted to document their sessions, so he made 43 audio recordings of the sessions where you can hear the priests asking Annalise questions, and Annalise replying in a demonic, terrifying, and guttural voice.
1: And here it is. Yes! In Europa! Oh, in Europa.
0: So. Father Rents and Father Alt believe that there were six demons possessing Annalise, including Lucifer, Mm -hmm. Judas, Mm -hmm. Cain, Nero, Hitler, and a priest from the 16th century named Valentine Fleshman. So he was like expelled from the church. Annalise also gave accurate details about him that Father Alt claimed she had no way of knowing, like about himself.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you meant about...
0: No. So during one of the tapings of the exorcism, when Father Rentz demanded Annalise, say your name, Annalise growled, I, Judas, Nero, Cain, and Hitler. That's five of us. So during the exorcisms, the priests had conversations with the various demons that went back and forth. And I'm going to play another clip for you. So at one point, Father Rentz said, quote, is this is Judas not in there today? Is he tight-lipped today? Annalise replied, yes, Rentz then said. And Cain also has nothing to say to us? And Annalise replied, no. And when I'm saying an Annalise replied, no, that I'm I'm talk, she's replying, but I'm talking about the supposed demons. Inside well, I of guess
1: her. she said they had nothing to say, so I wonder who's answered what demon is answering. It's, for Lu, uh, them. it's Lucifer, oh,
0: so and that's in the recording, too. So Rentz continued and asked Annalise, What about Nero? And Annalise said, He doesn't know much, the stupid pig. Rentz then <laughs> said, Well, what about Hitler? Annalise replied, He can only run off at the mouth. At another point in the tapes, Father Rentz says, why are you all here? Annalise growls and says, I have the right to be in this woman. Rentz questions, in what woman? And the demons say, in this woman here. And then Annalise goes on to say, quote, she is, ne- uh, she is never the same anyways because I am hanging out with here with a bunch of other people.
1: I'm hanging out?
0: Mm-hmm. And this is just, this is transcribed from I don't know who, right? Because they're speaking in German. So I don't know if they said I'm hanging out here, but that's what I found. So when asked about the rosary and why the demons hated it so much, they said, quote, because it is a strong weapon against Satan and all of the demons. So towards the end of the tape, Annalise says, I will carry this brat for as long until she croaks, this dumbass bitch. For us, there is no coming back, never, for all of eternity. Okay. Right. So I'm gonna play another clip for you. So then Brent says, why are you still lingering here? Annalise says, because I like it. And then starts to like laugh in this horrible, horrible way. Mm -hmm. Then he asks, Was she really that sick? And Annalise says, yes, responded by, did you do that to her? And Annalise says, yes. She lay in bed at least once every four weeks with a fever. All of the illnesses, we have accomplished that. Father says, but besides that, Annalise is healthy. Only you make her sick? And they say, yes. So here's some cool shit. So no examples of... I'm going to fuck up this word, glossolia were present, which is the phenomenon of apparently speaking in an unknown language, especially in religious worship. So not like (laughs) tongues. It's just like being able to speak in some sort of other language. So during the exorcisms, Judas didn't speak Aramaic, which is, a. um, it said online, it is a Babylonian Jewish language from old times. So Judas is known to speak that, but he did not speak that language when they were talking to him. Um, But Nero did speak Latin when they spoke to him. However, Annalise was familiar with that language mm-hmm. through church and school. So they yeah. didn't think too much of it. And of course, Hitler naturally spoke German, so which is Annalise's native language. As a test though, Father Rentz questioned Annalise in Chinese, to which they responded, quote, if you want to ask something, ask it in German. Although Annalise or the demon quickly followed up with, but I did understand that. <laughs> Like, I know, I laughed too. And I was like, what the fuck? Just eat. anyways. <laughs> so, other attempts were made to test whether or not Annalise was truly possessed. So, at one point, Father Rents filled up five water bottles with water, some with tap, and some with holy water. Mm-hmm. So, the bottles were unmarked, yet Annalise still responded only when the holy water was used on her and it was like burning her. The other bottles gave no reaction from her at all.
1: Okay, but when you say what's burning her like
0: Bart, like she was screaming as if it was burning her
1: okay so see that is my problem when you're burned you can physically see it
0: right but yeah but also she's smelling things that no one else can smell so who knows so throughout the 10 months while the exorcisms took place on seizures worsened obviously she's not on the medication but she was refusing medical treatment she also refused to eat or drink saying that the demons would not allow her um and she was weighing under 80 pounds at this point and
1: she's but she's 21
0: yeah in her 20s mm-hmm. but she still had superhuman strength which they were like oh my gosh like you look frail but you are still able to like you know throw things across the room throw and shove people Jeez. um but when she would come out of these um i guess possessed states she asked she's starting to talk about wanting to die more often I think she had just had it. So in May of 1976, Annalise deteriorated further. She was banging her head against the wall, biting herself and others around her. So her family had no other choice but to like tie her up for fear of her safety as well as theirs. Because she's hurting herself, she's hurting them. They said at one point she tried to jump out of a window, And they said at night was the scariest because she would make these horrible, like, scary laughing sounds. Oh, my
1: God. Because
0: keep in mind, she wasn't in this possessed state all the time. She would come to and in the recordings, which, by the way, I'm going to post on Patreon the full recording and the full transcripts. There's parts where she comes out of it and it'll say, like, Annalise. And Annalise is like, no, this needs to stop. I'm scared. And then it, like, sucks her back in and she's starting to talk, like, in the different voices again
1: what do you think her room smelled like
0: well burnt fucking feces no like piss and sadness <laughs> so i don't mean to laugh about this because she did die so Lisa's last exorcism took place in june 30th 1976 by this point she was completely emaciated and suffered from pneumonia and high fever She was too weak to move and needed help from her parents. So in her last recording, some of her last words were please, absolution. And she also said, quote, Mama, stay with me. I'm so afraid. Oh my god. Which breaks my heart. And her mom stayed by her in every in like the pictures that we post, her mom was with her. And I think i'm going to get to this in a second but from her falling to her knees so often during the exorcisms her mom was having to help her up because her uh, bones and her knees were shattered yeah so sad so the following morning at 8 a.m on july 1st 1976 um anna Ma- anna mckell find 23 year old annalise dead in her room she weighed 64 pounds
1: Jesus.
0: and her autopsy said that she died of malnutrition and starvation the autopsy also showed that she was severely uh, dehydrated. She had broken teeth, black eyes, and her knees were broken from, like I said, kneeling so much during prayer. Strangely enough, though, the autopsy also showed that Annalise had normal, healthy brain, and there was no damage that would even cause an epileptic seizure. Um, and the doctor that looked at it said, not even on a microscopic level. So there was no like scar tissue. They said they could see a lot. Um, tumor sometimes. There was normal brain. So that's. Okay, but is
1: this a doctor that believes in exorcisms? This
0: is just the doctor that is doing the autopsy. So oh, who the knows? medical exam- okay. examiner, yeah. So Annalise also had no ulcers, which are oftentimes present in victims of starvation, mm-hmm. but it was noted that she had severely dilated pupils. So after the investigation, it was determined that Annalise's death could have been prevented up to one week before she died. So because of this, Father Alt, Father Renz, and Annalise's parents were Mm -hmm. arrested and charged with negligent homicide. Homicide? Homicide. So Bishop... Joseph Stengel, who approved the exorcism, was not charged despite having been in contact with both priests throughout the whole ordeal. He claimed that he was not aware of Annalise's medical or mental conditions. But remember, the bishop who granted the right for them. So he was like, I wasn't aware of Annalise's medical or mental conditions, but he didn't ask. You know, that's something that you that's why that rule went into place in 1999. But he didn't ask. So, the case was brought to trial in 1978. So, the defense provided eyewitness testimony and submitted recordings of the exorcisms, um, arguing that she had truly been possessed. Um, they also brought up that Annalise was l- legally allowed to deny any treatment, especially because the treatment at the time may have um, included tranquilizing her force feeding her and practicing electroshock therapy, all things that she did not want to happen. So a family friend, um, Thea Heinegan, recounted that in 1976, uh, before Annalise's death, she had begged on her knees to avoid getting those treatments. She was like, she did not want it. Therefore, we did not make her do it. Um, she just didn't want to go through that. However, I'm sure you're thinking the same thing. The prosecuting side argued that because Annalise was thought to have epilepsy and psychosis, she should have been forced to go into that treatment and was not in the right mental state to make those decisions on her own. Oddly enough, two experts on the prosecuting team also found Father Alt exhibiting sides of schizophrenia himself. <gasps>
1: I did not know that.
0: It, I know, when I read that, I was like, <gasps> no, no. Because
1: typically people that are diagnosed with schizophrenia are diagnosed in their 20s. Right. Um, so.
0: I said right as if I knew that. I had no clue. So, oh, cool. <laughs> so, yeah. No, but I, so he was expressing. They were like, um, I think he has it as well. Later did test. He sure does. So, the prosec- uh, prosecuting side did not accept evidence that Annalise was being possessed. And they pointed out that Annalise often went through periods of normal behavioral between exorcisms, which is also normal, I guess. Which,
1: by the way, let me just emphasize this just because someone has schizophrenia does not mean they're a bad person. No. So that's why we have medications and things like that. Like, of it is a chemical imbalance. Oh,
0: absolutely. So um, they also argued that her medication successfully suppressed her seizures, but eventually morphed into, quote, a delusional psychosis associated with epilepsy, where the exorcisms fed into Annalise's delusions that she was being possessed. Yeah. So this meant that, according to the prosecutors, her psychosis was brought on by the medication she received.
1: But did they talk anything about how she was became so fanatically ingrained in, in that. the
0: religious thing? Yeah. I don't know where that stemmed from.
1: Because if it's like, they're talking about this and then she's also depressed and have these other issues and she already knows, you know, it's kind of like when psychopaths or whatever are doing like a lie detector test, they can like change themselves. Right. To uh, so no,
0: totally. So I'm sure they got into that at some point, but I do want to note though. So I just said that the, um, According to the prosecutors, her psychosis was brought on by the medication she received. But I do want to note um, it is actually unknown if the seizure stopped because of the medication or just stopped on their own because Annalise was having visions of all this shit before the medication.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So the court eventually ruled against the family and father rents and father Alt, sen- sentencing them to six months in prison and payment for all court costs. So father six rents. Times- Yes. Father Rance and Father Alt would receive a three-year suspension. So the court said that Annalise was unable to make decisions for herself and should have been forced to have the medical care. So Professor um, Felicitas Goodman, so she's the author of The Exorcism of Annalise Mikkel, mentioned that the theories that Annalise had epilepsy were presented in court as facts, not speculation.
1: I'm just like, they spent six months in prison and she spent 10 months being exercised. Right.
0: <laughs> exercised. I said that too. And I was like, <laughs> is that the right term? Cause I don't want you to think that she was just on a treadmill in between. So in 1978, Anna Lisa's body was dug up from the grave and reburied elsewhere. So Mr. and Mrs. McKell told office, officials that they wanted to transfer their bo- uh, daughter's body to a higher quality coffin because right after her death, the body had been buried in a hurry. And this was um, kind of forced by the Catholic Church. However, a Bavarian nun came up to Mr. and Mrs. McKell and uh, told them that she had a vision that Annalise's body was perfectly preserved, which to her was an evidence of was evidence of a possession. So the parents were like, oh shit. So when they dug up her body, it was examined and it was deteriorating perfectly fine. It was normal. So then she was buried in the Killingberg Cemetery in Killingberg, uh, Bavaria, Germany, where she's from. So to end, on June June 6, 2013, a fire engulfed the house where the family lived. Although the local police determined that it was just a case of arson, a lot of locals think that it was because of the exorcism.
1: I didn't know that. Were there still family members that on that home?
0: No. So, and they were close to death by that point, too, because, I mean, they're old. So to this day, skeptics and believers continue to argue whether or not Annalise was really possessed or someone who suffered from a severe neurological disorder. Dun, dun, dun. I personally... You know what, I went into this thinking that she was possessed, but after reading all of the medical, like the neurologists and stuff, mm-hmm. I um, think that she was suffering with, you know, severe uh, neurological issues, poor thing. But also it doesn't feel right for me to say like, you know, cause she ultimately died. So regardless, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate situation because I know, and the doctor said if, they, if she would have been forced to take these medications, she probably would have lived.
1: Look, if you, I will respect your religion. I will respect, you know, what you believe in. I don't believe that people can be possessed. Mm-hmm. Um, Little Nikki is the only being that is possessed in this world. Right. And um, her, anyone that took part in whatever they called whatever they thought they were doing
0: mm-hmm. killed her. And it's also different times too. Like we have so much more medicine now and um, and it's also has to do but with the, the to, area.
1: But to say that 200 of these happen a year, I'm sorry. They should have been, they should have right. been in prison for the rest but of their in,
0: lives. But then also at the same time, you know, I get the parents too, because they're at their wits end and they just want their daughter to be better. So if you're having all these people say, you know, it's not the medicine she's possessed. They were
1: also known to be fanatics as well. Right. No.
0: So it's just, there's a lot of like loophole, like where things could have gone differently, but at the end of the day, RIP baby, I hope you feel better now.
1: That was when you hear, if you've never heard the um I don't know why like I think the first thing I ever listened to on this or watched or read or something I didn't hear any of the clips and so I'm like well I'm gonna go research that. oh I know I remember I was driving to my parents and so it's like 45 minutes whatever
0: it's I, scary
1: I remember driving like where I was and I can like see myself driving in my little car and I was like
0: oh. well, I know that's why I was like I have to put these recordings in for these people because obviously you're not gonna be able to understand what they're saying so that's why I did like a little transcript but just hearing the voice you're like how does that come out of that little girl like that's so believable and there's so many things in this and I'm like wow that's very convincing so it's a mystery honey that we're never gonna we're never gonna unless I become possessed and I believe it
1: look when you see the pictures alone yeah it is That is a sick human,
0: like,
1: I just don't understand how like a parent can do, like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's,
0: it's a tough, tough one, but, um, on Patreon, I am going to upload all of the, um, the whole recording. It's long, it's two hours, so you don't have to listen to that, but I'm also going to upload the transcripts in English. If you want to like follow along or just kind of read, uh, pieces here and there. It's long. Remember, it happened over 10 months. So there's a lot of it. I think it's 67 pages long. Um, so I'm just going to put it up there if you want to listen to it. So thanks so much, guys. Happy um, 50th episode. Cheers to many, 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 more.
1: And now I get to go listen to this by myself. Bye. Bye.